Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Katolka, host of the Friends of Israel Today. It's hard to believe, but 2017 is already coming to a close. And as you're considering your year-end giving, would you remember the radio ministry of the Friends of Israel? Your donation keeps the Friends of Israel Today on the air and allows us to continue teaching biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah as we stand alongside our Jewish friends. Visit foiradio.org, and there you'll find a donate link right on our website. Or you could mail your gift to P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Also, let us know where you're listening when you contact us, and thank you for your prayers and continual support of our radio ministry. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and today we are continuing our series that takes us through the end of the year, Eden to Eden, God's Relentless Pursuit of Us. From the scriptures, Chris will show us how God's unfolding story is all about his desire to bring you back to the Garden of Eden. Steve, God's relentless pursuit to bring us back to Eden is intrinsic to his nature. And today we're going to talk about God's omnibenevolence, the understanding that God is perfectly good, and his goodness and mercy is what pursues us back to Eden. But first, the news. A massive earthquake measured at 7.3 recently shook the Iranian and Iraqi border, killing several hundred. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced recently that Israel offered assistance to Iran and Iraq via the Red Cross. He said in a statement that Israel has no quarrels with the people of Iran, only the regime that holds them hostage. Iraq and Iran declined Israel's assistance. Israel is often known for their military might, but maybe it's time we begin to recognize them for their compassion. It's no surprise Iran and Iraq would refuse Israel's assistance, but their refusal should be a sign to the world showing who the real obstacle to peace in the Middle East is. I can tell you this much, it certainly isn't Israel. We're going through our series, Eden to Eden, where we are looking really at the grand story of the Bible. And and I'll tell you, the more and more I read the Bible, the more and more I see that the grand story is God's amazing grace being revealed and how he relentlessly pursues us. And and listen, I want to say that again. The grand story of the Bible is God's amazing grace being revealed and how he relentlessly pursues us. God's desire is to be with his creation so we can enjoy his presence and worship him, which is the way it was intended to be. Essentially, God wants to bring us back to Eden, and that's why this series is called Eden to Eden. Now, if you're just tuning into this series, I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org to listen to last week's episode. Now, we ended our last program showing the grace of God in how he pursued Adam and Eve. And and even after they sinned and disobeyed him, that first God, remember, he called out to Adam and Eve after they sinned. Remember, he said to them, where are you? And then God gave them a prophecy that would reverse the curse that was brought on by their disobedience, a, a prophecy that looks forward to what Jesus the Messiah would do at his death, burial, and resurrection. And finally, 
God pursued Adam and Eve by clothing them before they were banished from the garden. Just beautiful acts of God's undeserved grace given to those who didn't deserve any of it. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Why would God do this? Why would the omniscient, which is the all-knowing, omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful, creator of the universe, be so kind and gracious to reach out to his creation who knowingly disobeyed, sinned, and transgressed against him and then hid from God? Why would God bother to reach out and pursue Adam and Eve? And really, we could say, why would he bother to reach out and pursue us? Well, this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss the omnibenevolence of God our Father. Omnibenevolence means God is perfectly good. His omnibenevolence compels him to say to us, even in our rebellion against him, where are you? Here's the truth, my friends. God can't help but to reach out and pursue us, even in our sin. Really, what we see is that God's relentless pursuit to get us back to Eden is all a part of his divine nature. He can't help but to pursue us. And I've mentioned before on this program that one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. God reveals to Moses, Israel, and to us as we read the scriptures today, his nature and his character. But what's so important to see is the background to Exodus chapter 34, 6, and 7. And and what I want to encourage you to see is that as we unpack this background, you're going to see the omnibenevolence, the all-perfect goodness of God. Now, the background is this to Exodus 34, 6, and 7 when God shares his character. The background is this. God had already given Moses the Ten Commandments. And and do you remember what happened to that first set of tablets that Moses had? In Exodus chapter 32, when Moses came down with the first set of tablets to show the Israelites, he found them worshiping a golden calf. And Moses was livid. And in his righteous anger, Moses took the tablets and threw them to the ground and the original set of the Ten Commandments broke. The golden calf incident, as it's called, went against everything Moses just received from the Lord and was written on those tablets. It it was an act of complete idolatry and disobedience and rebellion to the God who just miraculously delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And now we come to Exodus chapter 34, just two chapters later, verses six and seven, after the golden calf incident, and God in his goodness is preparing another set of tablets for the Israelites. Again, another picture of God's grace to pursue the Israelites. And I want you to hear how God describes himself even after this incident. Watch Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
but who will by no means clear the guilty. Think about this for a moment. Even after Israel's sin, when they created a false god in the image of the golden calf and worshipped it, God still maintained his covenant with them and gave them the Ten Commandments. And on top of that, he revealed to them through Moses his character and nature, which shows his desire to pursue them. God is merciful and gracious, which shows he's able and willing and wanting to forgive sins. He's slow to anger, which shows his patience and long-suffering with us. That he's in this till the very end to make sure he sees us through to the end. And the text says he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, showing that he's a covenant keeper and will not go against his own words or his own promises. He's faithful to the end. You know, in Psalm 23, a very famous psalm written by King David, David writes about trusting the Lord as his shepherd and leader, even as he faces difficult issues in life. And David is reminded of God's goodness, and he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And in Psalm 23, verse 6, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is saying, despite the darkness of his life, the hardships, the pain we deal with on a daily basis, that actually is a result of the sin that originated in Eden. He knows the goodness and mercy of the Lord will follow him. The the Hebrew word David uses to say goodness and mercy will follow him That word for follow is actually the Hebrew word radaf, which literally means to pursue. David is saying that God's goodness and mercy actively pursues him and that goodness and mercy will drive him to the house of the Lord forever. This beautiful picture of God's goodness and mercy pursuing David to a place where God's presence is. And the Apostle John completely understood God's omnibenevolence, his perfect goodness, and how God's perfect love and goodness is connected directly to his character that pursues us even when we don't deserve it. John says in 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. Listen, it doesn't get any more clear than that. God's character to relentlessly pursue us is found in the fact that he first loved us, which is our assurance that one day we will stand in the presence and glory of God once again when we see him face to face. In other words, the only assurance we have that one day God will bring us back to Eden where we can have unbridled fellowship with him for all eternity is because he pursued us first. He loved us enough to send his son, Jesus, to be the way, the truth, and the life so that we can enjoy the presence of God forever. The reason God reached out to Adam and Eve despite their disobedience, the reason God reached out to Israel over and over again despite their idolatry, and the reason God reached out and sent his son to be the payment for the sins of all mankind is because it's in his nature to do so. And what a challenge for me 
to see God's relentless pursuit of me, even when I don't deserve it. God's desire is that we would look more and more like him through Jesus Christ by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants us to become pursuers like him, to pursue those who don't know the gospel, to continually pursue and love our spouses and children, to pursue those in our lives who need to see the love of God and who need to hear about his mercy, compassion, and grace. God wants his nature to become our nature. He wants us to love because he first loved us. Friends, the reason God pursues us and is driven to be with us is all because of his omnibenevolence, his perfectly good nature. Israel always has been and always will be central in God's redemptive plan to repair our world. And that's why I want to introduce you to Repairing Our World, Israel Through the Ages. This is our eight CD set containing 15 messages from our 2016 Prophecy Conference season. You'll hear speakers talk all about how God's plan for Israel fits into his ultimate plan of redemption. And here's the best part, everybody. It's discounted. It's a special low price of $10. That's already 50% off of our discounted price. And you can get your CD set of Repairing Our World, Israel Through the Ages by reaching us at foiradio.org or calling us at 888-343-6940. In the previous segment, I talked a lot about God's desire to pursue us, that the big picture of the Bible is God's movements to bring us back to Eden so he can be with us with no sin between us. Now, I believe when we hear that God pursues us and desires to be with us, it can kind of come across like God is needy, like he created us because he needs us. Well, I want to let you know, God doesn't need us. The beauty of God is that he doesn't need us, he wants us. God is completely self-sufficient in all ways, even in relationships. He didn't create Adam because he was lonely. Something we often overlook when studying scripture is the theology of the Trinity. The Trinity or, or the triunity of God is comprised of three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the three distinct persons of the Trinity make up one essence, one God. So before creation, God was already functioning in a loving, supportive relationship between the three persons of the Godhead. Remember, when God created man, he said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, let us make man in our image 
after our likeness. And you see right from the beginning in Genesis that God was already in a fully loving and perfect relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even John writes in the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is showing us that Jesus is the Word and that he existed in a harmonious relationship with God the Father for all eternity. And since God is relational, which we can see in the Trinity, and that we are created in the image of God, then it should be no surprise to hear that we're divinely designed to be relational beings. We need relationships to thrive and grow. You know, lately in the news, I've been reading more and more articles about the effects of loneliness. And one said that loneliness is more deadly than smoking. Why? Because like God, you've been divinely designed for engaging with others. And the relationships you have should model the relationship found within the Trinity. First, it's important to see that the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit isn't equal in their roles. God the Father is the head or the the leader of the Trinity, and Jesus the Son submits to the Father's will and accomplishes the plans of the Father, which the Holy Spirit is sent into the world by the Father and the Son to do the work within the church today. And what is at the center of this relationship between the three persons of the Godhead? perfect love. The Trinitarian model of relationships gets worked out in many ways, like the way you relate with your parents or your siblings or your spouse or your children, your friends, or even your boss or your colleagues. Look, since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, that perfect relationship modeled by God in the Trinity was marred on our end. Adam and Eve's disobedience broke that perfect relationship we had with God and that we had with one another. And here's what we're trying to convey in this series. God doesn't need us. He wants us. And his pursuit to bring us back to Eden is wrapped up in his desire to restore the unbroken relationship he longs to have with us. If anyone knows what a perfect, loving relationship looks like, it's the persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God made us to enjoy his presence as we worship him, not because he needs us, but that out of his grace, he wants us. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. People here in Israel are extremely nervous. This is partly due to the economic situation. 
When I try to speak with them, many say, There is no longer a God because he sees and allows his chosen nation to fall down. One man asked, What do you think, Zvi? I replied, What you say is not true. God has chosen us and brought us to this promised land. We should live and not die. In October 1973, when the Arab armies attacked us, the Israeli population was very demoralized. Why did God spare us? And why are we living now? We are still alive and still a nation because God loves us. Is it not true that we love our children? Of course we do. If we do not punish them for their misdeeds, they will continue to do as they wish. It is the same with our God. He loves us, therefore he punishes us when we need it until we ask for his forgiveness. If people ask for forgiveness, change their ways and turn to God, he will bless them. If you do so, you and all your friends will know the truth about our God. And when he makes a promise, he keeps it. He is not as we humans are. After that, this man asked, What do you think I should do? Should I believe in God? Oh, yes, I replied, but you should ask God what to do instead of asking me. With surprise, he asked, How can I ask God? I told him he could go directly in God in prayer because he is our Father and will answer him. How shall I pray? he questioned. I then opened the Bible and read the Lord's teaching about prayer in Matthew 6, 9. Then this man realized about whom I was speaking. Jesus? he asked incredulously. He was against our Torah. How can I believe in him? I then read from Galatians 3:10. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. This was another surprise to him, and he declared, Jesus is the great enemy of the Jews. That is what people say, I told him, and you, my friend, believe them. He thought for a moment and then replied, That is how I felt before, but not now. Then we read together John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his own, only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is all new to me, he said. It would be nice if you would give me some books so that I may read about these things for myself and share them with my friends. I want to show them how they lied to me. I will visit you every week, and you can teach me from the Bible. Through this man... Two other families came to me, and I gave them my testimony about the Lord. I was sure that after such a lengthy conversation about our Savior, they would not return. But the Lord opened their hearts, and now we meet every week. All of these dear people are now secret Christians. Perhaps one day soon, they will openly acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and Lord.
Chris, as we close, thinking back to what you said earlier on the program about the Trinity, if God doesn't need us, then why does he want a relationship with us? You know, I actually think we forget that God created us so that we could have fellowship with him and that we could worship him. So we have actually been created in many ways to fellowship with God, to worship God. That's what his design, that's what his plan was all along. So I think that's the reason God doesn't need us, but that he wants us. Thank you, Chris. Visit us at foiradio.org, foiradio.org, or contact our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 